You're listening to Real Investor Radio with Craig Fuhr and Jack Bevere, where we cover advanced real estate investing topics to help you stay ahead of the curve in your real estate investing business. Hey, so um, we're just going to do a little bonus content here. If uh, folks want to listen and go deep with us on the content that we provide, you can check us out at realinvestorradio.com or on any podcast server, you'll find the podcast. So guys, cost of capital. It's been a roller coaster ride. Let's talk about it. Jump in. Yes. Yeah, so uh, was um, disturbed this week to see the five-year treasury rate uh, climb above 4.4%, which I think is actually now above the peak even of last year. We're right there at the same level. Yeah, it's actually a little bit above the, the October peak of 2022, which is uh, a brutal stat because uh, the reason – the reason that I pay a lot of attention to the five year is that a lot of the uh, mortgage products that are lent to investors, particularly the DSCR loans, as well as uh, pricing from a bank that's based off of the five year treasury, those five year loans from a bank um, are priced off of the five year. And the, so that means that cost of capital to real estate investors who are adding rental properties is at a literal all time high in the past, you know, 15 years. Uh, that combined with kind of top line prices have not decreased, particularly in the affordable segment, and rent growth has kind of sputtered out. Uh, you know, it's de you know, rent growth has certainly decreased significantly, and in certain sub markets, we've seen some uh, decreases in rent. It means that the ability to add a rental property and for that leverage to be accretive for that leverage to be you know, productive, where you're actually getting more money from the house than you're paying to the bank, uh, is harder now than, than ever. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's a challenging time. Hopefully it changes, but we wanted to do a quick kind of market update here because it's a, uh, a, a depressing but and concerning stat, one that all real estate investors who are looking to grow their re rental portfolios should be paying attention to. Jack, I hear investors talking about the 10-year note all the time and why we should be concerned about that. Uh, I, I love the fact that you're mentioning the five-year here because that is the uh, the rate that really investors should be looking at. Fred, you were talking about uh, a, a meeting that you may have had recently or the, even this morning about um, the SOFR Plus. Um, so go ahead there, if you would. Well, I think banks in general are struggling with how to price loans. They're seeing the repricing of their deposit base uh, reprice rapidly. And, and more, it's almost like it's exponential in the last month or so. Uh, banks rely on people who put money into, into their banks as savings accounts or deposits at 1% and 2%. And, in, and you know, it was below that, obviously, for a long period of time. And now it's common knowledge that you can go on and get a money market rate uh, at five and change. So uh, anyone with any kind of, you don't even have to be that knowledgeable anymore. You can, you, you can turn your computer on and you'll see an ad for 5%. And that's repricing really what the bank's cost of funds are, which is forcing them to really rethink their, their overhead can't adjust fast enough. And the regulatory environment requires a high level of support, whether it's risk and compliance and people and loan officers and IT and tech to, to run the shop. So ultimately, 
they have no no they have really no choice but to consider how to reprice loans. And what banks are doing is they look at the SOFR. That's one of the core indexes that banks use. They use the five-year treasury as well. The, uh, the, SOFR, and the SOFR is the secured overnight funding rate. It's a generally basically a newer index that pretty much replaced LIBOR, which was the London interbank offering rate. Uh, but that kind of got that got phased out in 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 uh, in favor of SOFR. So you probably see term sheets these days quoted in surf SOFR instead of LIBOR. Right. And so SOFR is currently at about what five point three. Five point three, mm-hmm. as we speak. And so what any financial institution does, a bank does, is they they look at a spread over that index. So if they're going to use SOFR at five point three. They're looking at spreads between now. You it was a month ago, three three hundred over, three twenty five over was acceptable. Now the arguments are three seventy five may not be enough. Uh, we're start we're starting to see the industry go to three seventy five, four hundred, four and a quarter. So if you think about just four hundred basis points over the over five point three, that's a nine point three percent loan. Uh, I, saw, I saw a loan uh, in the market uh, get chopped around at 10% the other day, just, just yesterday. So you're starting to see pressure at the bank level to be at 9 to 10% on, on new loans and, and what will be renewals of existing loans. Which, so on a on a loan like that, Fred, is that a is that a, a, a construction loan? Is that like a, a long? What a, what is an it's investor a, it's looking a, it's at? A, it's a construction. What type loan. of deal am I doing there? Okay, it, it's an acquisition construction loan. It's it's short term in nature. Probably a six month to a year. Six months to eighteen months is I a see. typical bank term. Right. Now I would say a construction loan at the bank is going to be twelve to eighteen months. Can private money beat that, Jack? Or, or, or no, um, <laughs> uh, I mean it, it tries, right? We, we're, we're not too far outside of it, but the the main way that private lenders are funded are banks. So when banks' cost of capital goes up, that tends to flow through the private lending industry. The other way that uh, private lenders are funded is uh, if if they're a larger lender, they've done a securitization. Uh, Kiavi is probably one of the biggest private lenders in the country. They priced a securitization about a month ago, and their weighted average cost of capital was around nine percent. Uh, and so, wow. if they do, you know, for example, so if they if they did a loan at nine percent to a borrower, and they charged a borrower nine percent interest in one point, uh, generally speaking, it costs you know a, you know around two hundred basis points to to uh, to kind of run the shop uh, in terms of the paying the loan officer, paying processors, rent, et cetera. That's before the equity makes any money, right? So if a, if a private lender did a loan today at an 11% APR, that would be break even, right? That would be them not making any money. Now, certain private lenders have some money that they raised in the past that's cheaper. So you may still see a term sheet that's below an 11% APR, but that's just because you're accruing the benefit of money that was raised a year ago, two years ago. It's still money left in that bucket. What's that? There's still money left in that bucket. Yeah, but it's, but it, yes, but it's dwindling fast. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and as time progresses forward, it rolls, it rolls off, right. It expires. 
And the folks that lent them that money uh, aren't going to do it again, not at today's rates. So uh, if, you, if you see less than 11% APR, they're literally losing money, or they should be losing money based off of today's rates. Um, so that's kind of that's that that's kind of serving as the new like benchmark floor rate from the, in the private lending space based off of that securitization pricing, and the the, the factors that Fred's talking about um, make that you know frankly even worse for those who don't have access to the securitization market. So so Craig, we often talk about the rate of a loan, mm-hmm. but banks financial institutions are also also look at credit. They look at deposit requirement. They look at leverage, the risk that they want to take. And what we're seeing is that regulated institutions are lowering their leverage rate ratios to the extent they're a bank. They're requiring 10%, if not more, deposit requirements. If you're a new, if you're a new customer, it may be higher. There are banks that, re, that may require 15 or 20%. It's and and whether it's 10 or whether it's 15 or 20 that factors into the cost of those funds because it's it's like borrowing a hundred grand but giving them back ten. Sure. And sure. you know you know so it that's part of the equation. You know, so you guys had a the private lender versus a bank, those are all there's a real there's a real kind of uh, separation now, rate aside, between risk, leverage and some of those factors taken account. Fred, uh, you guys had your mastermind, the real, the real investor roundtable mastermind, uh, a couple months ago. I was shocked to hear the number of guys in the room that were talking about hearing from their banks on, "Hey, now we have a deposit requirement on on the loans that we're extending to you." It, it felt to me like the overwhelming majority of the room was talking about this, and it felt again to yeah. me like uh, like a two thousand eight, two thousand nine time period when we were sort of seeing that uh, that scenario play out. Uh, any any comment there? Well, you know what's a shame is that banks, most banks had a deposit requirement of five percent written in their covenants, period, for years. They just didn't enforce it because <laughs> cost of funds were so cheap, and yeah. there was a gold rush mentality that they wanted to load up on real estate loans. They wanted they want it was it was just a gold rush mentality. So they looked the other way didn't have to put deposits necessarily. You just had to borrow money. And now what they're doing is the, the, the chief credit officers are coming in and saying, wait, whoa, whoa, we have a covenant that's a deposit requirement. I want, I want, I want it all enforced. And the chief lenders are saying they're kind of caught because they didn't enforce it. So that's, that's becoming a thing. At the same time, that the leaders of the bank are saying, the, the chief financial officer is saying, hey, I need the, the, that, that deposit requirement to be 10% or 15 because we need, if, if we don't, we don't really want to make the loan. And so it's not just the rate and it's not just the leverage and the deposit, it's also, also the access to capital to boot because sure. banks are looking at their book and saying, I, I think we need to diversify out of real estate lending and a little bit more into maybe consumer lending or inventory lending uh, so that we can rebalance because the gold rush is over. So what 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 does that do to the other factors? It makes it harder. And that's what we're seeing 
hitting the bank sector right as we speak. Right now, we're seeing pressure on rate, pressure on lower leverage, pressure on better financials, pressure on the pressure fact on that regulatory. you are not losing money. All those pressures, it's not like some of them didn't exist before. They just were not, they just were not, you know. They were number 11 on the to-do list. You know, it just wasn't what was prioritized. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Craig, I wanted to, uh, and, uh, to mention something. You, you had mentioned the uh, the 10-year rate. And yeah, there's a, there's a significant uh, emphasis on the 10-year rate. The reason for that is that the 10-year rate and the consumer residential mortgage rates tend to track very closely together. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for that is that in general, uh, the uh, people who borrow a mortgage tend to stay for about 10 years. It used to be shorter, but it's elongated. Um, and so that's the, the index that most closely reflects the actual duration of a mortgage that somebody takes. And so mortgages are generally priced off of the 10 year. The 10 year is unfortunately similarly above the all time high above the October 2020, not all time, but you know, within recent memory, um, above the October 2022 level, um, which means that consumer residential mortgage rates are very high right now, right? They're higher than we've seen in the past, you know, 10 years. And so uh, it'll be concerning, you, you know, we probably have listeners who are flippers right now, who are under contract with a borrower that did a rate lock 30 days ago, 45 days ago, that it's an interesting dynamic, right? In a rising interest rate environment, if that contract falls out, that borrower is going to go get a new rate lock at a quarter point higher, 35 basis points higher. That's how much the, the 10 years moved in the past 30 days. And so that buyer can actually buy less of a house or is not going to get as good of a deal on their mortgage as they've got right now with that existing rate lock. Uh, my wife's a realtor and she had this dynamic play out recently where there's a borrower who there was pressure for the deal to fall apart, but the buyer really was trying to keep it together because they realized that they were going to go get 35 basis points higher on their rate if this rate lock fell out. Uh, and so that's uh, something that we may see like tactically right now that may be a dynamic that's happening right in this moment when people are listening to this. Um, but uh, generally speaking, it means that for putting new properties under contract right now, the affordability of the house that you're listing today is worse today, even than it was in the third quarter of last year, fourth quarter of last year. And so, you know, hopefully this is a, you know, the mortgage traders in New York are all in all in the Hamptons right now and no one's doing deals. And as soon as they come back for Labor Day and throw the kids in school, they're going to start deploying capital and buying bonds again. And we're going to see a downtick after Labor Day. But it's a scary moment in time um, to see rates as high as last October when, you know, people were talking about the sky falling. Uh, and so that's uh, it, it affects Main Street real estate investors multiple ways through their own borrowing through the borrowing of the folks they're trying to sell houses to, uh, and not only borrowing on DSCR loans, but their lines of credit and their uh, longer-term loan borrowing at the bank level as well. So um, pressure well, is still on. We're still I mean, certainly if, if, not if I, on the other side of this yet. You know, I'm in no hurry to sell my house when I know I've got a 3.5% mortgage and the mortgage rate's now 7.2, you know. Yeah, also I'm bad for inventory, for yeah. Yeah, just hitting from yeah, all sides. Exactly. This is not not great for operating in a real estate investment business. 
Jack, you know I usually like to put the happy face on, you know, with the with uh, the news as well. But it's really hard to find uh, the good news in any of this. Uh, I'm struggling to find it. Maybe you guys uh, know something that I don't. But uh, I, I, you, I think on the last episode, if uh, folks want to tune in to episode 11 of the podcast, we talked a lot about patience. It's time. It's a time for especially investors to be very patient in this market. Uh, and make sure that you're operationally sound more than anything. So maybe that's the uh, the opportunity here, Jack. Absolutely. That sounds like a good one. So uh, thanks for tuning in to Real Investor Radio for this bonus content. We'll see you on the podcast.